on September 11th, 2001, at 8.45 on a clear Tuesday morning, American Airlines Flight 767, loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel, crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. The impact left a gaping, burning hole near the 80th floor of the 110-story skyscraper, instantly killing hundreds of people and trapping hundreds more in higher floors. As the evacuation of the tower and its twin got underway, television cameras broadcasted live images of what initially appeared to be an accident. Then, 18 minutes after the first plane hit, a second Boeing 67, United Flight 175, appeared out of the sky, turning sharply to the World Trade Center and sliced into the South Tower near the 60th floor. The horror in New York took a catastrophic turn around 10 o'clock when the South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed in a massive cloud of dust and smoke. About 30 minutes later, the north building of the Twin Towers collapsed as well. Nearly 3,000 people died that day, and over 10,000 were treated for, for injuries. And this was a time that we will not easily forget. It was soon after our wedding day, and I wondered, what world am I going to be raising my family in? On the first anniversary of the attacks of 9-11, two bright columns of light rose from the hole left by the two towers. The tribute light became an annual tradition, and they are visible from over 60 miles away. Today, where the towers once were, there is a museum, and the reflecting absence pulls, along with an eight-acre park, as a memorial to that day. We as humans are prone to forget. Generations are born that were not affected by certain tragedies, and if not told about them, these tragedies would soon be completely forgotten. Remembering has significant value. Immediately after 9-11, we had constant reminders of the attacks. It was on the news at all times. There were days where there was no aircraft in the sky at all, no sound of aircraft, no lines of airplane exhaust across the sky. It was different, and you could feel it. Americans in general were a little kinder to each other and more welcome, welcoming of interaction. We looked each other in the eye on a busy street, and we attempted to provide hope where there was despair. In America, never forget, never forget, became the mantra which was borrowed from the era of the Holocaust. If a politician uses the phrase, and we will never forget, we immediately know what he is referring to. When we memorialize an event, we look back at the events we remember. We look forward to what is to come. And we look within for a response from ourselves. And today, for similar and yet very different reasons, we are here today, this evening, for a memorial. And we, too, 
are told by Jesus himself, never forget. This evening I want to talk about three Passovers and the events surrounding them. The first Passover is the Passover in Egypt, the first of all Passovers. And you can open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12 to 15, those three chapters give the account of the first Passover. In chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, it describes how they were to select a lamb of the first year that had no blemish. They were to keep the lamb until the 14th day and then kill it in the evening. They were to take the blood and apply it to the doorposts of their homes. And they were then to eat the lamb hastily. The Bible gives various instructions on how they were to eat the lamb and how they were to be dressed when they ate it. Exodus 12, verse 12 says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, the Lord speaking, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I shall see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And ye shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. The Lord goes on to explain what would take place on this night. In verse 21, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. And the people bowed the head and worshipped. And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. This day was to be a memorial. And you can see in these verses, they were to look back at the deliverance from Egypt and deliverance from death of the firstborn so that they could look forward in faith to the promised land. So that they could look forward to the deliverer. Notice that they worshipped. Memorials should remind us of past deliverance, increase our faith in the deliverer, and always cause us to worship. We look back, we look forward, and we look within. The Israelites obeyed the Lord 
and the Passover events took place as described, prescribed. And following the death of every Egyptian firstborn, Pharaoh finally begged them to leave. At this first Passover, there was obviously the lamb, the sacrificial lamb. There was deliverance from Egypt, and there was anticipation of a promised land. Finally, after being captured in slavery for 400 years, deliverance had come. They were, ne they were to never forget the Passover and deliverance from slavery. Never forget. The second Passover that I want to look at took place in Gilgal. And this is found in Joshua chapter 4. After wandering through the wilderness for 40 years as a result of sin and pride and disobedience, and having buried an entire generation of people, the Israelites find themselves on the brink of Jordan with Passover approaching. In Joshua chapter 2, they sent out two spies to go into Jericho in preparation for crossing Jordan and entering the promised land. And in chapter 3, they sanctify themselves to cross Jordan. Chapter 4 then, they are given instructions to build a memorial. They were to take 12 stones from the river and with these stones build a memorial. Joshua 4 verse 19 and the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. And it came to pass, when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan, from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their hearts melted, neither was their spirit in them any more, because the children of Israel. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. Verse 8, And it came to pass, when they had done circumcising all the people, that they abode in their places in camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal unto this day. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. At this Passover, they were to create a new memorial while celebrating an old memorial. And all of this pointed to a future. Verses 23 and 24, they looked back and they saw how God had provided for their needs in crossing the Red Sea and in crossing Jordan. And they looked forward with great expectation to the promised land. They were basically knocking on the door. And they looked within 
And it says that they, one of the reasons that they were to build this memorial and tell their children about it is so that they would fear the Lord, fear the Lord their God forever. Gilgal, as we see, means to roll away. Verse 9, chapter 5, verse 9, I have rolled away the reproach. In the first Passover, God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And in this Passover, God delivered them from the reproach of sin as he prepared them for the promised land. And once again, they were to never forget how God delivered them from the reproach of sin. The third Passover I want to look at is in Jerusalem in Luke chapter 22. Jesus with his disciples, again, the Jews are facing Passover. And this is the Passover where Jesus will give himself to be the sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world. Luke 22, verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes saw how they might kill him, Jesus, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being numbered of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted with him, covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a picture, pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the goodman of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished. There make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And I think up until this point, this was a fairly typical Passover meal. But Jesus, in this memorial service, introduces yet a new memorial in John chapter 13. And you can turn there and follow as I read beginning in verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went 
to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest, thou knowest not now, but shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, and taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Jesus here gives an example or a memorial to follow for us to remember and follow. And after this, it says in verse 21, Jesus was troubled in spirit. And he pointed out to the group of disciples that Judas would betray him. After the Passover, supper being ended in verse 2, and after Jesus washes their feet in verse 14, he then calls Judas out as the betrayer of the Lord. And Judas leaves, and it is night. After Judas leaves, Jesus has additional teaching for the rest of the disciples. In verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. He also points us to a future reward. Not also is he looking back to the Passovers before, but he's looking to the future. In John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. He also promises the Comforter in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Following this additional teaching to the disciples, and we didn't cover it all, Jesus then gives himself to be crucified on the cross at Golgotha as the final Passover lamb. 
I mentioned before that Gilgal means to roll away. I have rolled away the reproach from Egypt. And Gilgal is spelled with four Hebrew characters. And I find it fascinating, and I know I'm reading a lot into this, but Golgotha is spelled with those four, the same four Hebrew characters, and there's two characters added to Golgotha. They come before the four characters of Gilgal, which means to roll away the reproach. The two letters that come before are Aleph and Tav. Does anybody know what they are in the Hebrew alphabet? In the Greek, we know them as Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus, the firstborn Son of God, becomes the Lamb of the world. He is the first and he is the last, the last Lamb that will ever need to be slain. It is his blood that we apply to the doorposts of our heart, just as they did in Egypt. It must be applied or we die. It is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who rolls away the reproach and stain of sin, just like he did at Gilgal. We must allow the Holy Spirit to cut the reproach of Egypt, the reproach of sin, out of our hearts. We must cut away the self-centeredness and self-worship from our hearts. We must allow Jesus to circumcise our hearts, to remove the reproach of sin, as he did for the children of Israel, at Gilgal. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. In the first Passover, God removes the Israelites from bondage. In Gilgal, he removed the reproach of sin. And at Calvary, he became sin for us to remove the penalty of sin. He defeats sin and death and provides life for those who trust him. He goes ahead of us across Jordan and he prepares a land. He prepares a place for us. When Jesus celebrated this Passover with the disciples, he looked back at the first Passover. He looked He also looked forward and spoke of the Comforter and of the promised land that he is preparing. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself. He also causes us to look within by giving us a new memorial. We are to wash the feet of one another. He said that if he, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our Lord and Master, did this for the disciples, then we, sh- we should certainly have no problem washing each other's feet. We should, in humility, stoop down and wash the feet of those around us. Not just the esteemed disciples got their feet washed that day. I believe that even Judas's feet were washed by the Lord. Can you even begin to understand the difference in the creator of the universe the first and the last, the Lamb of God, and Judas, the one who betrayed him. Can I even begin to fathom the greatness, goodness, and holiness of Almighty God? 
compared to my sinful, wretched self. God forgive me to be, for being unwilling to follow the example of Christ who stooped to wash the feet of the one who betrayed him. I'm grateful for the memorials that we have through Scripture that cause us to look back and see the goodness and provisions God has for us. And it's in looking back at God's goodness that we can increase our faith in God being there for us through the future. He has taken care of us in the past, and he is preparing a place for us God help us to look within, to be able to live by the new commandment that he gives us of loving each other as Christ loved us. God says that we too can be a memorial. We can be an example to the world around us. He says that when they look at Weavertown Church and the disciples there, that they will know that we are disciples of Christ if we have love one for each other, one for another. And he tells us how much we are to love each other. In John 13, 34, we should love each other as much as Christ loved us. And he gave his life for us. If we live by this, we will be a memorial to the world. Paul speaks in 1 Corinthians 11, he tells us that we should not participate in communion without discerning the Lord's body. Don't forget when we come to this memorial service what this is all about and who this is all about. We are memorializing the broken body of Christ and his blood that is applied to the door of our hearts. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. I'm impressed how Jesus looked back and he spoke to the disciples about a future. And I'd like if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation 21 and 22, we have a description of what Jesus is preparing for us. Revelation 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he saith unto me, 
These things are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Verse 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This evening, we are looking back to what Christ did on the cross. The Lamb of God, Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, taking away the reproach of sin for us. The Lamb of God who died once for all. But we are also looking forward to the place he is preparing for us. Just like the Jews did. They look forward to Canaan, the promised land. We look forward to a promised land. We look forward to heaven, to a new heaven and a new earth. We're also looking inward in humility and the fear of the Lord. And we are worshiping the one who died for us so that we can live. May we never forget what God has done for us and may we be a memorial to the world around us as we uh, partake in this service and as we love each other as Christ loved us. Will you stand with me for prayer? Lord, we are grateful for what you have provided for us. We, we don't even understand half of it. We can't comprehend heaven, the promised land, but we this evening are looking back at what you have done in sending your son Jesus Christ, and we believe that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and we trust him for our salvation through his broken body and his shed blood that was poured out for us. It is only by his blood that we are healed. We're also looking forward to the promised land and to be reunited with loved ones who have gone before us, to be reunited with our Savior and our Redeemer face to face. And we pray, even so come, Lord Jesus. And while we are here on this earth, Lord, I pray that you would give us the humility to stoop and wash each other's feet. And not just at these communion services, but throughout the year, Ahead of us, I pray that you would help us have the humility to be there for each other, to lift each other up, and to encourage each other. I pray that as we partake of, of these uh, symbols, this memorial service that we are about to engage in, Lord, I pray that you would uh, be very near to us and cause our hearts to be broken before you so that you can fill us uh, and you can use us 
in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.